seat. We're going to have a guest speaker here today. He's not really a guest speaker. He's, he goes here. It's Ken Hipple. But uh, we'll have the privilege of, of hearing him preach here for the first time. I'm really looking forward to that. So, Ken, you want to come on up? You know, Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. And we can't ever judge anybody else's heart. But we can judge a person's life by the fruit that they produce. And I can tell you one thing about Ben Tipple, since he's, you know, he's not just Ben Tipple, he's also my son-in-law. I say that very proudly. Um, he's made a big difference in our family. And so when I say judge a tree by its fruit, I mean that. You've changed my life, you've changed my wife's life, you've changed my daughter and my grandkids' life. And so I just thank God for you all the time, and I mean that. Father, I just thank you for Ben. I thank you for the man of God that he is. I thank you for the anointing that he carries. I thank you for the condition of his heart, that he keeps so soft and so obedient to you. And Father, I pray today that as he blesses us with your word, as he, as he serves out of his gifting, Lord, would you outgive him as he gives to us? Would you pour out a bigger blessing on him than he's given to us? Please just give him great joy and anointing as he brings your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Start off crying. <laughs> So it's an honor and a privilege to be up here. <clears throat> um, I'm going to start off with a story. So first time I ever spoke in front of a church or in front of a church group uh, was a Sunday night at a group of about 60 guys and got through my message about 20 minutes long and a friend of mine, Dave Sheridan, comes up and he goes, great message, well put together, good, but you said, um. 40 times. <laughs> I said, okay, Dave, I appreciate that. So today, I'm going <coughs> to ask my Aunt Diane to count my ums for me. That way, when we're, uh, when we're <laughs> sitting at Christmas dinner, she can have something to, to razz me about, because I always razz her. <coughs> Get her a pen. <coughs> so... I recognize that we are in a church full of servant leaders, okay? And <coughs> Dennis talked about courage last week, okay? And out of Ephesians 2, chapter 10, okay? And Mike talked uh, the week prior to that, um, Ephesians chapter 1. So I want to reiterate a little bit of what they said and then kind of lead into um, Ephesians chapter 4, okay, which talks about unity in the body. <coughs> so I said we have a church full of servant leaders, and we're hoping and praying that the Lord continues to bring people in here. And when they do bring them in here, we have to build them up and lift them up and train them to do the same thing, right? <coughs> so we're going to start off here in Ephesians 1. So this is where Mike talked a couple weeks ago. Um, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Again, I'm just going to recap a few things, all right? Um, 13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him <coughs> with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And God um, giving us that, that pledge is what Mike talked about a couple weeks ago. 
really honed in on the fact that it's a, a look to the future, okay, um, when he will come back and claim us as his, okay? So that pledge, that, that down payment, that deposit that was made, okay, um, I want to expand on that a little bit, all right? So the word used there is erebon, okay? And it not only means a deposit guaranteeing the, the redemption, but it also means in the, the context in which the people at that time were hearing it, um, it meant to them that the depositor was going to come make and make further deposits, okay? not saying that <coughs> God only made a, a partial deposit of his Holy Spirit into us, okay? He gave us his entirety. He's able to hold the keys to every one of us. <coughs> what I am saying is that throughout our lives, God is going to make further deposits of power, of gifting, failing <coughs> and all of these talents are meant to be used to advance his kingdom right <coughs> when Dennis talked last week he started off uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10 right uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them and I want to expand on that a little bit. I want to go back to, to verse 4, and we'll read 4 to 10, okay? It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So unmerited favor, we've been saved by his unmerited favor, that grace. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Notice it says that God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. Okay, so he created not only these works for us, but he created us to do these works. Okay? I want to go back up to verse 6 and really reiterate something. It says that he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So our faith should tell us that we are currently seated in heaven with Christ Jesus. Amen, right? And our hope should be that he will continue to work in us, transform us into a, a deeper likeness of his image in that servitude that Dennis talked about last week, helping us to, to become more like him in serving one another, serving the, the community around us. And that, that hope that he will continue to transform us is, is from where we literally stand here today, okay? Until that point where we are literally seated at the right hand of the Father, okay? And here's the reason why I do it, 
So it's twofold. One, because it's deadly good. <clears throat> and two, because of that love for us. Okay? That love that, that caused him to send his only son down to sacrifice himself so that we could have a relationship with him. So looking back at the past couple of weeks, okay? So he's redeemed us. All right? He's sealed us for that day of redemption, the literal day of redemption. He's given us a new identity, okay, as children of God, sons and daughters of God, servants in his house, priests, kings. <clears throat> and he's given us a purpose to help advance his kingdom build one another up so that we can serve in a better better way not only our immediate family but our church family the community around us the people within our, our sphere of influence each and every one of us has a sphere of influence okay it's an immediate family place of business church house, the schools our kids go to, whoever we come in contact with is within our sphere of influence. So the four gifts that God's given us, okay, the, the redemption, that great seal, relationship with Holy Spirit, okay, the new identity and the purpose, what do we, what do, we do with these gifts? Do we stick them under a basket? Do we shove them under the bed? We bury them in the yard. No, we got to open the gifts up. Okay? And uh, like I said, I really want to talk today about how we're to live together, how we're to encourage each other. Because I literally look around the room and I see people that are in some form of service inside this house, this church building, okay? In this section of Christ's body. Okay. And again, our hope and prayer is that the Lord will continue to bring people in so that we can build them up and, and get them to a place of wanting to step out and serve, wanting to be a, a, a bigger part of advancing God's kingdom. Okay. So let's see what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 6. He says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Being diligent, okay? Verse 3, being diligent to preserve, okay? So God made that peace. We don't have to make that peace, okay? That peace has been made there. It has to be preserved. And we have to diligently work to maintain that in us and amongst us, okay? Because when people come in and there's discord and, and issue, it's noticed, whether we realize it or not, it's noticed, okay? Because we're cut off from each other. And we don't, don't get into the relationship with the new people because we're so busy focused on on 
the issue we have with somebody else, okay? So it's being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So we could spend weeks talking about that, okay? There's a lot of meat there. But I see a lot of one, oneness, okay? <clears throat> and I ran across something that I uh, wrote back in 2017, and I was just by chance, I opened up my concordance, and this fell out. <laughs> talks about uh, cultivating a culture of honor. And I'm going to read it because I have a, a, a passage from a um, application study Bible that I want to read and not get wrong. And then uh, I have a quote. And so I'm going to read this, this particular section, and I'll get into my talk a little bit. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 23 says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. So the story I told about Dave, okay, when he came and he asked for that message, he wasn't trying to belittle me. He was trying to make me a better speaker. And I didn't realize that until I finished that. He wasn't joking with me. He was trying to help me. He honored me enough to come and tell me that the message was good, meant a lot to him, made him think, encouraged him. <clears throat> but at the same time, he wanted me to become better at what I was doing. <clears throat> so here's what the commentary for the passage said. As Paul argued for diversity of gifts and acceptance of the full range of gifts that God gives to people, <clears throat> no one should feel superior about his or her gifts. Instead, all should use their gifts to willingly, this is a key word, willingly serve in a way that edifies the body. <clears throat> Too often the upfront gifts of speaking or teaching are more highly regarded than the behind-the-scenes gifts, like helping and serving. Without all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on, None of this happens. <coughs> no one should discount the contribution of another person, no matter how insignificant it may seem. We should not be dissatisfied with the gift or gifts God has given us, but be eager to serve. Nor should we envy those who seem to have more gifts than we do. In love, treat everyone's gifts, yours included, as valuable to God and others. <laughs> End quote. <coughs> so we're not to put each other on a pedestal, okay? But rather honor one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Serving one another and the community around us with a sincere heart. So want to do it, okay? That's why I said uh, the word willingly is key because 
we can talk to people and in a sense badger them into wanting to serve but when they come to serve or don't show up when they say they're gonna um it's because they were unwilling to do it but they felt badger and, and didn't want to tell us no <clears throat> so the hope is that we'll all willingly want to serve right and why do we want to serve it's not because we feel like we are obligated because we see others around us serving it's because of what christ did for us if we can't honor that gift do we really recognize how much of a gift it was so jesus told the disciples in matthew 20 verses 25 and 26 he says you know the rulers of the gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. So we look at the, the hierarchy in the world today. So it's a, it's a triangle, I guess is the best way to represent it, right? And you look at all the people down in this lower section of the triangle are working and serving the people at the top, right? Okay. So God takes that and he flips it over. God always does that. He flips things over. So the people who are, are serving are serving everybody above them and pushing everybody above them. Okay? Pushing and lifting. We're here to lift people up. Okay? So that one person on the bottom who's serving 50 people, okay, begin to recognize how much not only God loves them and the sense of empowering them to be able to serve 50 people, um, but also give them the wisdom and the insight, the direction to do it. We recognize how, I guess, little we are as individuals, how big God's world is. Okay? So, we're here to push and lift up, to encourage one another. When we create a culture of honor, we create a safe place to step out in our faith and exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Cultivating our relationship with him on an individual level, but also on a, a communal level. <clears throat> when we take advantage of this opportunity, and fellow brothers and sisters, <coughs> excuse me, honor fellow brothers and sisters' um, efforts. We are doing exactly what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 20, 12, 23. He says, when he says, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. So those who step out in faith, okay, they begin to actually grow into their identity, okay? They begin to recognize the honor that God has bestowed on us in calling us sons and daughters. We begin to realize the gifts he's given us to grow his community, to grow his kingdom, and to help pull other people out of the pit, help them to recognize their true identity. Because we've experienced it. Experience is the best teacher. Those who step out begin to grow their identity in Christ. Their confidence in him 
Adam himself and him. Girls, as they begin to realize who he has created them to be. Not to mention, in those times where we step out, we begin to learn to realize and recognize the comfort that he offers in those moments. I ran across a statement by uh, evangelical author uh, John Ortberg from his book, The Me I Want to Be. And it said, in the Bible, God rarely sends people into situations where their comfort level is high. <coughs> so I'm, I'm getting more comfortable. And, and this, coming, this was coming back to me. <laughs> now, if I do this again down the road, I have been known to be a weeping preacher. So I do weep from time to time. <coughs> It's a little bit stronger this morning, but I'm getting a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> and uh, it's those moments where you you step out or you step back, okay? <laughs> and those times where you step out and really learn to re- rely on his comfort and his counsel is when you recognize and realize who he created you to be what he created you to do. We need each other to get to that point, okay? To be ministers to one another, counselors to one another. So the first part of uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul kind of came in soft, all right? He said to be patient and gentle with one another, all right? But then you get down towards the end of chapter 4 <clears throat> and he gets a little bit stronger worded alright we're going to start in verse 25 we'll go to 32 it says therefore laying aside falsehood speak truth each one of you with his neighbor so he's, he's starting to tell us what to put off and what to put on okay and you can go through the whole book of Ephesians it's put this take this off put this on so I'm just going to start right back over. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. <coughs> so let me say this. If I were to tell a lie to Pastor Mike, okay, not only am I lying to myself, lying to Pastor Mike, but now I'm lying to each and every one of you. We have to look at it that way. And at the very top of that, I'm lying to him. <clears throat> Verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So the, the, the simple end of that is, is he who steals must steal no longer, okay? Let's look at uh, the labor aspect of it. We all know and we all go through days where we don't want to be at work, right? <laughs> um, so we kind of muddle our way through the day, all right? But if that becomes a, a, a constant, if that becomes our habit, are we not stealing? Are we not being the best person, the, the, the 
person God created us to be in that job, in that sphere of influence. Paul talks in Colossians chapter 3. Do everything as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for men, right? Because that's everything. Our daily walk. <clears throat> Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So all these things that Paul's telling us to put off grieve the Lord or grieve the Holy Spirit within us. All right, so it's a, um, a hindrance in the relationship. This is on an individual level I'm talking now. So our personal choices will bring or begin to build a wall or tear down a wall in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> Same as uh, applies to the, the collective as the, the group, all right? So not only are we hindering our relationship with God when we don't put these things off, um, we've begun to, to hinder our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when that anointing from the Holy Spirit from within us can't flow through us, there's loss of, of unity. There's loss of life within the body. <clears throat> On to verse 31 here. It says, let all bitterness, and these are real important ones in my mind, okay? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. So verse 31 are the, the things that I really, I guess, have experienced and see in my heart that grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? The bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Okay, we really got to watch those things. So those are the ones we're to put off. And here's what Paul says. He says in verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God, and here's the kicker, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Dennis talked about that uh, um, last week. The people we used to be, right? Some worse than others, I guess. Like Paul said, I was the chief sinner among them all, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so forgiving one another. Forgiving comes from our end, okay? We may, may never get forgiveness from another person for what we've done. We can go and make amends for what we've done, okay? We can ask for forgiveness. When we do that, then the word change is transformed because that's what God tells us to do. Whether that other individual, that second party, forgives us, that's on them. That's between God and them. But we've torn those walls down if we go and make amends. Okay? And then the Holy Spirit within us, the grievance is gone. Right? So now our relationship in depth is restored to the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, with Christ. 
with God who is one, right? And that's when the anointing can begin to flow through us in a heavier rate, in a heavier state. David says this about unity in Psalm 133. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robe. Verse 3, It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. So that, that word for life in Hebrew, um, it pertains to a living organism, okay? So we are individually a living organism. I'm a living organism, okay? But we as a, a body, the body of Christ is also a living organism, okay? So that life flows from us, or rather through us, to each other. It comes down just like the dew of Hermon. <clears throat> we look at that passage and, and life to the individual is represented by Aaron. Okay, Life to the community, to the church, the body of Christ as a whole. And, and again, when I say the body of Christ, I don't just mean the 50 people in here. I'm talking about the churches who believe that Christ Jesus is the Son of God died for us, was buried and resurrected, right? <clears throat> it's represented by the reference to Zion, okay? So the more diligently we work to honor, encourage, and even push each other into situations where we may be a little uncomfortable so that we can grow, <clears throat> the stronger our bond, not only with Christ becomes, but with each other becomes because we're willing to not when we're willing to push somebody out to do something it means we're willing to, to support them in it and at that time it's the anointing which I talked about in the very beginning the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in and can really move in power so we've been called to diligently work again to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and take care not to grieve that same spirit with which we've been sealed to the day of redemption, right? So I'm going to leave us with a little geography lesson. So in Israel, uh, the north part of the country is um, where Mount Hermon's at, okay? And the dew, the, the runoff, um, the snow melt leads into the headwaters of the Jordan River, okay? And <clears throat> the headwaters lead down into the Sea of Galilee, which is teeming with life, okay? That's where all the, the fishermen are and pulling the food that they need out, their sustenance, okay? And out of the Sea of Galilee, it flows into the River Jordan. All right, and that River Jordan eventually dumps out into the Dead Sea, right? So the further you get down from the headwaters, the less and less, less and less life there is, right? So we as individuals have to maintain that relationship with our head. Okay, 
to diligently work to preserve the unity that he made with us. So the chorus I'm playing is just north of the uh, Sea of Galilee, okay? And that's where Jesus gave his famous Sermon on the Mount, right? Or it's believed uh, to be in that region. (coughs) When you go through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and, and you see all of what Jesus says about interpersonal relationships, and I really will encourage each of us to go through and, and just read that sermon. <coughs> it gives us the Beatitudes. Um, but there's one thing I really want to focus on. And he said that when we come to the altar, to uh, come to the, the uh, altar, 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 yep, the altar, Uh, to offer our sacrifice. If we know of any brother or sister that has any grievance against us, any issue, if there's any discord, and I'm paraphrasing, go and be reconciled to that brother and then come and offer your gift. So if there's any grievance, any issue, and and when I close in prayer here, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to to bring to our mind anybody that we have that issue with. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Ask the Holy Spirit to ask God to open up an opportunity for amends to be made. And again, all we can do is own our end of it. We're not here to point fingers. Hey, you did this to me. You go to that individual and you say, this is what I did. And I'll be forgiven for that. So let's close in prayer. Dear Father, I, I just thank you for this opportunity this morning. I thank you for your sacrifice for us. And I thank you just for bringing us an opportunity for us to know you in person. To know your strength, to know your power, to know your grace and your mercy. Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning that as we're sitting here and and we're about to close, Lord, that you would just bring to our mind anybody that we have a grievance with, an issue with, a broken relationship with. Father, anybody that you would have us to go and make amends with, to reconcile. So as as we go into this holiday season and we're getting back together with family and loved ones that we may see once a year, Lord, I just ask that you would open up opportunities for us to make those amends. Lord, we just ask that your your Holy Spirit would come into this place on a regular basis, Lord, and, and move in us and amongst us. Bring in people from the, the neighboring community, Lord, just to that we could love on them. Allow us an opportunity to let them experience your love firsthand. And Father, once again, we just love you and we thank you and we, we praise you for who you are, your majesty, most of all your forgiveness. And as we come into the Christmas season, Lord, just your sacrifice as we, we celebrate with you.